You can keep the kids here as well if you like. We love the little kids in church. Well, good morning, Chili Bible. Man, it is it's wonderful to see some familiar faces and some new ones. It's been a while. It's been a minute, as they say, since I've been here. And I'm super thankful, super thankful that uh, Pastor Joe asked me to fill in for him while he's on a trip with Nate. Yes, California, looking at schools for the future. Another exciting moment in the lives of the of the Horn family. It's pretty exciting. Is this, uh, you guys can hear me okay? Good. Um, listen, I, I'm glad to be here. I know that he had a very, very busy Easter week. Preached a lot. Prayed a lot. Married two people. Um, so thankful uh, that Josh... And um, is it Nicole? Nicole were married. That was awesome. That that went well. I hope. I hope the honeymoon's going even better. Um, but um, I, I just want to say real quickly that y'all have good pastors here. I mean, you should really be thankful for your pastors. Can you still hear me? Yeah. Okay. Um, <clears throat> both Jeff and Josh and all the elders. Um, that are continually trying to uh, to lead you and guide you. Um, such faithful men, right? They're trying diligently to protect the church of Christ. Um, they are an example, truly. They are an example to the flock and to the watching world outside of what faithfulness really, really looks like. They're imperfect, yeah. But their character of faith is such an important quality of the one called by Jesus to oversee the local church. Good, good men that we could be thankful for all the time. And, um, and this morning I want to talk a little bit about a kind of faithfulness. Uh, specifically, uh, something that Jesus refers to as great faith. And by great faith, I, I don't mean a faith that makes you worthy of honor more than others. Not a faith that puts you on a pedestal above others. And the great faith that I want to talk about is a willingness to look beyond what's in front of you so you can see what's waiting for you. And this morning, Jesus shows us a picture of what that type of faith, that great faith, looks like. So let's open our scripture to the 15th chapter of Matthew's Gospel. Matthew chapter 15, and we're going to briefly look at a passage starting in verse 21 of Matthew 15. And if you would, stand with me as we read God's Word. Matthew chapter 15, starting in verse 21. The Bible says, Then Jesus left Galilee and went north to the region of Tyre and Sidon. A Gentile woman who lived there came to him pleading, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. My daughter is possessed by a demon that torments her severely. But Jesus gave her no reply, not even a word. And then his disciples urged him to send her away. Tell her to go away, they said. She is bothering us with all her begging. And then Jesus said to the woman, I was sent only to help God's lost sheep. 
the people of Israel. But she came and worshipped him, pleading again, Lord, help me. And Jesus respond, responded, it isn't right to take food from the children and throw it to the dogs. And she replied, that's true. That's true, Lord. But even dogs are allowed to eat the scraps that fall beneath their master's table. And dear woman, Jesus said to her, your faith is great. Your request is granted. And her daughter was instantly healed. Let's pray. Father, we have gathered here today, Lord, in faith to worship and praise the great name of Jesus. For he alone, Father, has freed us from the bonds of sin and sets us apart as holy priests. And Lord God, we ask you now, we ask you now to help us see our glorious Savior this morning, Jesus. Lord, speak your words of life to us freshly this morning, and by your Spirit, Lord God, open our eyes. Lord God, soften our hearts, and Lord God, increase our faith this morning. Lord, we know that Jesus is all we will ever need. So I pray, Father, I pray, Father, that by your Spirit, you would help us to see Jesus, just Jesus. In his strong name I pray, amen. Please be seated. Well, the main point I'm going to work around this morning is a pretty simple one. Great faith leads you to the only one you will ever need. Great faith leads you to the only one you will ever need. And from this passage in Matthew chapter 15, I just want to share three simple thoughts with you this morning, right? Great faith looks beyond great obstacles. Great faith requires great humility. And great mercy is given to those with great faith. Well, some of you know uh, my wife, Christy, and I, right? We adopted our, our little girl, Lottie, from China almost six years ago. That was fast, babe. And I remember that long 16-hour flight to China. I got to tell you, it was a long, long flight. And we were so exhausted and yet so excited when we got to China. And we didn't know what to expect in China. We just knew that it would be very different from the life we have here in the United States. So we landed, got off the plane, grabbed our luggage, and followed. I mean, it was a stream of people through a maze of right and left turns with barricades on both sides of us. It kind of reminds me of the corn maze at Tanner's Orchard, right? I mean, just like the corn, people were everywhere, and it felt like we were walking in circles. And as we were making our way through that maze, trying to get out of the airport and meet our hosts, we realized something was unusual, something that we not really experienced before. We realized that everyone was staring at us. Not the kind of stares out of the corner of your eye like we do here in the U.S. and so nobody sees that we're staring. But, starings that look, but staring that looks directly into your soul. It's the kind of staring that is extremely, extremely uncomfortable. And I'd like to tell you that the staring stopped at the airport. But the stares, they just turned into glares everywhere we went in China. And what we realized 
is that we were in a place that we weren't really welcome. I mean, there's a lot of ocean between America and China, but it's just not all water that separates us. It's a long-time, difficult relationship between two totally different cultures. Even though we believe we were following Jesus, there were significant obstacles for us to overcome as Americans in China. And I think this is what it must have been like for both the disciples following Jesus and the woman with a demon-possessed daughter. It required great faith to look beyond the great obstacles in front of both of them. Now, I'm going to briefly touch on what I believe are four great obstacles in these first few verses that those with great faith faith must look beyond um, to find what they've always needed. The text says in verse 21, Then Jesus left Galilee and went north to the region of Tyre and Sidon. And the first great obstacle to overcome is that of history. Tyre and Sidon were about 50 miles up the coast of the Mediterranean Sea from Galilee in what is now modern-day Lebanon. You need to think of these cities as ancient versions of Las Vegas. If your flesh desired something, Tyre and Sidon would have been the place where you could satisfy your deepest desires. We're talking about some of the most wicked, idol-worshipping places in the ancient world. The disciples with Jesus would have considered these places as some of the most unclean, unholy, godless cities one could ever step a foot in. And we're talking about dirty to the 10th degree as far as Jews were concerned. But as a matter of fact, many of the people who populated Sodom and Gomorrah migrated from Tyre and Sidon. And there was some serious history that separated those from this region and the ones who were walking with Jesus. I mean, history is a big deal. And we all, we all have a history. Now, for some, the past is filled with wonderful memories. And for others, it's just a reminder of failed marriages, abusive parents, bad breakups, bad decisions, children who wouldn't listen, weird family members, and places we don't ever want to return to. The truth is sometimes Jesus takes you to places you don't want to go to show you what he wants you to see. In this case, a Gentile woman with a demon-possessed daughter. Verse 22 says this, A Gentile woman who lived there came to him pleading, Have mercy on me, O Lord, son of David. For my daughter is possessed by a demon that torments her severely. There's another obstacle that one must get over. And that is the obstacle of worthlessness. The disciples encounter not just a Gentile woman, but a Gentile woman that has a demon-possessed daughter. She's just not an unclean Gentile, an unclean Canaanite. But she's a double-down dirty Gentile because of her daughter's demon possession. I mean, she was a worthless Gentile. I mean, this would have been a major obstacle for both the disciples and this woman to get beyond. I mean, it's hard enough for a woman to talk with men, with men in Bible times, let alone a Gentile woman talking with Jewish men. 
I mean, it required great faith for her to look beyond what the disciples would have thought about her. They would have thought of her as unnecessary, unworthy, and worthless. I mean, the truth is there are so many people around us all the time who are crying out for help. For help. But, what we, but we let what we see on the outside prevent us from sharing the Jesus that changes the inside. And to be very honest, I think the problem is that we've forgotten how unworthy we really are. I mean, everyone thinks of the Apostle Paul as someone who is arguably the greatest witness of Christian faithfulness the world has ever seen. But Paul thought of himself as one who was a wretched man, undeserving of Christ. Paul knew that he was unworthy, but he put his faith in the one that thought he was of great worth. And by that great faith, God uses the most wretched of men to reach the most unworthy people. When this Gentile woman cries out to Jesus in great need, and the Bible says in verse 23, but Jesus gave her no reply, not even a word. Well, the third obstacle, silence, is probably the hardest one to overcome. I'm not going to tell you I'm personally going through that right now, and it's been a long, long season of silence. And I've cried out to Jesus so many times with the same request, and yet no answer has been given. I mean, some of us here today are praying for God's healing touch. We're crying to God for the neighbors we share Jesus with, husbands praying for wives, and wives praying for husbands, parents for children, and in the text, a Gentile woman for her daughter, only to receive silence from God. Church, if I could tell you anything, I would remind you that God is listening. There's never a thought or a need He doesn't know about. And if you read the Psalms, crying out is common for King David. And he does that in the most joyful times and in the most difficult times. And Psalm 86 is one that I find specifically encouraging when dealing with the obstacle of silence in, in my life. And it says this in Psalm 86. Bend down, O Lord, and hear my prayer. Answer me, for I need your help. Protect me, for I am devoted to you. Save me, for I serve you and trust you. You are my God. Be merciful. To me, O Lord, for I am calling on you constantly. Give me happiness, gladness, O Lord, for I give myself to you. Lord, you are so good, so ready to forgive, so full of unfailing love for all who ask for your help. Listen closely to my prayer, O Lord. Hear my urgent cry. I will call to you whenever I'm in trouble. And you will answer me. I will call to you whenever I'm in trouble. And you will answer me. The answer may take a minute. 
And it may not be exactly the way you would like it to come. But you have to believe that He will answer you. Maybe you think you're just too unclean for Jesus to respond to you. Maybe you got yourself into some sin that you just can't get yourself out of, and you're afraid it's so bad that He would never accept your request or respond to you. Uh, the good news is this. Jesus, the Son of God, loves you so much, so much that He died for your sin. And He was buried. And He rose again on the third day for you, even while you were a sinner. Even though you are clean, He is bending down and listening to your cries of help. He is holding out His hand to rescue you. Great faith looks beyond history, looks beyond worthlessness, looks beyond the silence that so often comes to the one that is listening. Loving, to the one that is listening, loving, and ready to lift you up even when you feel unworthy of an answer. The Gentile woman in this passage, she's in great need for her daughter. And she looks beyond these great obstacles only to be confronted by the last one, that of insignificance. Although Jesus does not respond to her at the moment, the Bible says in verse 23, then his disciples urged him to send her away. Tell her to go away, they said. She's bothering us with all her begging. Have you ever felt, have you ever felt ignored and insignificant? I have a friend I was talking with some time ago, and he was telling me there was a woman at work always creating a fuss. And he would say, man, she complains about everything, and she always thinks that she can do everything better than everybody else. And this became a, a major frustration for my buddy. And I encouraged him, just simply ask a basic question. Susan, why are you in a bad mood today? What's going on? And when he asked her this basic and simple question, he learned that she was going through a difficult, a very difficult divorce. And she was feeling very worthless and insignificant and needed some recognition from someone. Some of you are here today and you're feeling insignificant. You're being passed by by your spouses, your employers, and even your pastors. I mean, you know you have a lot to offer, but no one is giving you the chance or recognizing you for all that you bring to the table. Hear me. Hear me today. God sees you and knows how valuable you are. Listen, like a lot of people, I have had a few low points in my life with Christ. And there was a particularly low one that I was telling a friend about. And he simply encouraged me to read Isaiah 43. Nothing more, nothing less. Although I still deal with despair from time to time, when I read this chapter in Isaiah, I'm always lifted up. I'm always reminded of how significant I am to God. Now, I wouldn't encourage you to do this with every part of Scripture, but if you're dealing with this, this obstacle of insignificance, I want you to read Isaiah 53 and imagine 
your name being put in place of Israel or Jacob. This is what it says in a part and a portion of Isaiah 43. Just imagine God speaking to you. But now, O Scott, listen to the Lord who created you. Scott, the one who formed you, says, Do not be afraid, for I have ransomed you. I have called you by name. You are mine. When you go through the deep waters, and there will be deep waters, I will be with you. When you go through rivers of difficulty, you will not drown. When you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned up. The flames, they will not consume you. For I am the Lord, your God, the Holy One of Israel, your Savior. I gave Egypt as a ransom for your freedom. I gave Ethiopia and Seba in your place. Others were given in exchange for you. I traded their lives for yours because you are precious to me. You are honored and I love you. Do not be afraid for I am with you. Listen to me, church. You are precious to God. God honors you. He loves you and He is with you. You are not insignificant. You are significant to God. Great faith looks beyond great obstacles. And great faith requires great humility. Verse 24 says this, Then Jesus said to the woman, I was sent only to help God's lost sheep, the people of Israel. Have you ever felt like you were just kind of spinning your wheels a little bit? And think about this Gentile woman for a minute. She has likely given all that she has to every kind of sorcerer, every kind of witch doctor, sacrificed all kinds of idols, and has nothing left. She hears about Jesus and who He is and what He's done. She doesn't look, she doesn't just look beyond these significant obstacles. She actually overcomes them. And she finally hears from the one she has been needing this whole time. And He says, I was sent only to help God's lost sheep, the people of Israel. I mean, so many people strive over and over again to achieve something only to run up against a wall that stops them dead in their tracks. And at first glance, it seems that this woman is the obstacle preventing herself from getting what she really needs. I mean, she's a Gentile woman with a demon-possessed daughter, not a Jew from Israel. But we can't lose sight of a really important fact that the mission of Jesus, as it is recorded in Matthew, was to first preach the good news to the Jews. I mean, his priority was to save his people from their sin because the people of Israel 
are in fact the chosen people of God. God makes very precious promises, eternal promises to those people. And all that Jesus is doing here is simply declaring the priority in His mission. And at the same time, looking for what may be the greatest quality of great faith. That is great humility. I mean, He came to save those with a humble and contrite heart, is what it says in Isaiah 66. Humility is realizing you have nothing to offer. And I believe this is what Jesus is wanting this Gentile woman and his disciples to know. You just come with open hands of faith. Nothing to give Jesus. Nothing to give Him. Abel, Enoch, Noah, Sarah, Abraham, Peter, Paul. All of them just had humble, open hands of faith. Not their works or where they came from, but great faith in Jesus alone. When you see Jesus for who He is, what He has done, and what He can do for you, you will worship Him in humble faith. I mean, this Gentile woman, she displays great faith as she falls at the feet of Jesus, worshiping and pleading, saying, help me, is what it says in verse 25. I mean, there's a difference between feeling low and getting low. Great humility requires you to realize you need to get down before you get up. You must know that you are unworthy, but He is worth everything. Verse 26 and 27 say this, Jesus responded, It isn't right to take the food from the children and throw it to the dogs. And she replied, It's just an amazing reply. That's true! That's true, Lord, but even the dogs are allowed to eat the scraps that fall beneath their master's table. And this woman has given all she has and overcome all kinds of obstacles. She has worshipped hum humbly at the feet of Jesus and knows He is everything she has ever needed. She comes to Him with great humility only to be associated with a dog. Now, it's important to understand that in ancient times, when the Lord of the house, right, the master, was finished with his meal, the servants would come and clean up after him. And the food left over on the table, right, the scraps on the plates, and anything that fell on the floor became the slaves and the servants' food for the evening. It fed them and their families. Now, it doesn't seem like much today, but the point is that it only takes the smallest amount of grace from Jesus to help us understand our master. We think we need a lot. We think we need so much. But all we need is just a morsel. Just a morsel from His table. For this Gentile woman, a dog would have meant that she was a mangy, dirty, wandering mutt that lived on the street spending her time, spending time begging for everything. Those with Jesus would have considered her a worthless animal, unworthy of anything. And what's so amazing about great humility is that she agrees with Jesus. She is a dog begging for life. She is unworthy, but knows He is what she needs. That's true, Lord, she says in verse 27. 
And friends, there's humble, and then there's humility. There's low, and then there's another level altogether. Great faith realizes great need. It looks beyond obstacles. It reveals great humility. The kind of humility that recognizes its unworthiness, but realizes the one who is worth more than everything. Is Jesus that valuable to you? Is he worth more than anything the world has to offer? He is for this Gentile woman. And in verse 28, after showing magnificent, unimaginable humility, Jesus says, dear woman, your faith is great. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed instantly. Now this word instantly healed, this phrase means completely healed at the moment. Where she was once broken by a demon, she was made completely whole at the moment. That is the power of great faith. I mean, the Bible teaches that the faith of a mustard seed can move mountains. Great faith is not how much you can move. It's knowing how much has been moved for you. What would compel someone? What would compel someone to want to overcome such great obstacles? So much history, so much pain, so much sorrow. Why would they want to humble themselves to such a great degree? And the answer is just so simple. Because that's what Jesus has done for you. He has overcome the obstacle of your sin by becoming sin for you. He humbled Himself to the point of death, even death on the cross, and won your victory by His resurrection. And by faith in Him alone, He withholds what you deserve, death, and freely gives you what you don't deserve, wholeness and life. By faith in Him alone, He will reward you with great mercy and give you living hope through the most difficult times. When everything has fallen apart, when everything has fallen apart, you need to look unto Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. He is all you need. Friends, our God is such a loving and generous God. And He wants you to walk in the freedom of His great mercy. The message of the Bible to us Gentile sinners is pretty clear. Believe. Believe that Christ died for your sins in accordance with the Scriptures. Believe he was buried and rose again on the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. And you will be saved. Friends, you've got to know that Jesus is an ocean, an ocean of mercy. And all it takes, one little scrap from his table, one sip from that life-giving water for you to have life in his name. Now, if you're a believer which many of you are, and you're here today and you're dealing with all kinds of obstacles. You just can't shake the past. You're feeling worthless because of your failures as a follower of Jesus. In your player life, no response. And you look at your life and you think, I lack so much humility. Welcome to the church, by the way. I want to remind you that walking with Jesus 
I mean, it's hard. And most days, it's really hard. But you got to know your righteousness is not found in your work of faith. It's not found in your ability to overcome obstacles. Your righteousness is found by faith in the work that He has done for you. Now, I know it's a struggle sometimes to get love. Man, do I know. And it's hard to see around those boulders that get rolled in front of you. And sometimes there's so much noise that you can't hear what God is saying to you in His Word. If that is you, dear Christian, if you are struggling today, read Isaiah 43 tonight before you go to bed. I'm certain it will refresh your faith in the one who sings His love song over you. Amen? Let's pray. Well, Lord Jesus, thank you for your faithfulness and humility. Thank you for overcoming the obstacle of sin and securing salvation to all who believe. Open our hands today, Lord, and help us to see what we have always needed. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And I pray, Father, right now, I pray that you would open our eyes so we can see the one who truly loves us. And Father, help us. And help those who have called on Jesus for salvation to walk in the freedom of His great mercy. Help us to see Jesus this morning, Lord, just Jesus. Because He lives, Father, I pray. Amen.